Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 272. I am your host, Jared White. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. What are you buying? Well, that was pretty good, actually, I think. <laughs> yeah. What are you buying? That was the first time I've ever tried that. I did it just live right there. I'm actually not, not too dissatisfied. That's what we are. We're the number one source for perfect Resident Evil 4 impersonations um the dude in village is like not the same character right or is he in the big village, guy uh yeah the super big guy the chef guy sells you stuff too can make meals or is he like a spiritual successor i think it's just like yeah that's the shopkeeper in that game i don't know if they're related because he has a similar accent He's like that gravelly, right? No, no, I'm wrong. He has like a cheery voice. He has like yeah. a higher pitched voice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it's still like unsettling, but it does have that cheery pitch to it. It's like a Pennywise unsettling as opposed yeah. to like something else. Yeah. Anyways, we got a lot of news this week. We had a Unreal presentation. We had Redfall uh, hands-on impressions drop. We had some teases. And we had the announcement of a new licensed video game that actually I'm actually pretty excited for and... I'm excited to talk to you about it, so we'll, we'll get to that. But first, we got quickie news, uh, various little updates. Let's start off with a new Little Nightmare. So Tarzir Studios, developers of Little Nightmares 1 and 2, revealed art for their upcoming game. A tweet with the following, quote, New world emphasis on new, end quote, showcased a paddle boat in a body of water sitting under a mysterious starry sky. So we actually checked out this image before we started recording, and... You know, people are pointing at it and saying the emphasis, them saying new world emphasis on new is they're saying like, hey, we're not doing Little Nightmares 3. This is a new IP. I think that's partially true. And obviously with a game as popular as Little Nightmares 1 and 2, kind of got a really fervent fandom from people. It's like one of the more successful indie horror games, especially with it being a 2D platformer. Love those games. If you haven't tried, tried them or played them, definitely hop in. They're awesome. Um, but I also think that it's a tease towards the setting, maybe, Dom. Um, I don't want to get too much into the setting of Little Nightmares for spoilers for people because by the end of that game, the reveal of what's actually going on is a huge part of the actual experience. So I don't want to ruin that. But for this, I wouldn't be surprised because they're making it so mysterious and the only thing we can really make out is the little paddle boat with the light on it. If this is a human on another on an alien planet. So them saying the emphasis on new world, right, uh, good call. is maybe um, humans have been forced off Earth for some reason, or maybe it's an unfamiliar world. I don't know. Could be like an alternate reality. It is weird, though, because there's a shape in the sky amongst the stars you can't really make out. And part of me is unsure if that's like an entity of some sort or if it's a structure being hidden by the night sky um, and you're kind of coming upon it in your boat. We don't know if this is like the ocean or if this is a smaller body of water, like a lake or something. Looks cool, though. Um, I'm excited. Like I said, I love their first two games. They're a very talented studio. They're really good at the like mystery box aspect of it, Dom, where they present a world, and it's up to you to kind of piece it together and figure it out. And there is a story being told, but in a way that from software does it, is it isn't necessarily spoon-fed to you. Now, that's a bad thing, but... It's more of you piecing together all of the elements of environmental storytelling and uh, seeing what, in your um, mind, what, what happened in your opinion. As someone who hasn't played the first two Little Nightmare games, Dom, 
this image, does it do anything for you? Uh, are you curious about what this mysterious setting could be? Not really. <laughs> um, I need to put... I've always been curious about the Little Nightmare game, so I probably, you know, owe, owe those a playthrough um, before I could, like, realistically get anything out of this because um, I, I think having that context, like, you explained it to me, like, what kind of what those games were and what, what could be, what we could expect based on this concept art, but without that knowledge, it's kind of like, yeah, it's just, it's a little boat um, and, and, and some water and it's very dark. So, you know... Um, but yeah, I like I like what you mentioned though that they tend to mess around with perspective. Um, so like it may not be what it necessarily appears to be, or you know it it may look different uh, once they shift the angle or or whatever it is, right? Um, or like something something that would be too corny is like oh, is it big nightmares? And that's actually a giant, you know, huge version of something. But I don't know in the sky there. But yeah. I'll be curious to see um, what this ends up being, but realistically, I need to actually go back and play the Little Nightmare games. Yeah, for sure. I think hopefully that's the case for people who see this shared on their timeline of they're like, Tarjir Studios, who's that? And then they're like, oh, they developed those Little Nightmare games. I've been told that they, they're worth playing. Maybe I should hop in out. There's a new game on the horizon. And there is a little bit of peace in knowing that the next game isn't Little Nightmares 3, so you can play through the first two and not feel like you're catching up to be ready for the third one mm-hmm. um, in that sense. They're like, okay, I have time to play both of these. And they're relatively short games. If memory serves me correct, the first one is only like six hours. Um, and the second one I don't think is a much longer. Um, they're they're awesome. I think the, I don't remember if the second one got DLC, but the first one had a, a couple of pieces of DLC that add on to the, the game, which are really cool as well. And uh, you don't play as the same character, which is cool too. So they tell like an alternate perspective of the same story that you played through. Uh, helping you piece together everything. And just like a lot of From Software titles, there's a really cool YouTube community of people that have their own theories and share videos of it, which is really dope. Yeah, that's Of like, this cool. is what I think, this is what this character means. Um, there's even really awesome ones that show you hidden details you might have missed of like, did you notice this in this section? Well, this relates to this in this section. Awesome stuff. The community for Little Nightmares is really dope. So excited to see what comes next. Next up... We got updates on Redfall, Dom. Obviously, this is the uh, upcoming Arcane game. So with recent hands-on impressions of Arcane's upcoming vampire hunting first-person shooter releasing across the internet, a handful of new information about the game has come to light. We're not going to be talking about specifically the impressions of if people liked it or not. Generally, it seemed like everyone really enjoyed themselves and were pleasantly surprised by the combat and the world design. Um, I saw it most often compared to Far Cry in terms of other open-world shooters. Oh, interesting. Uh, in terms of its mechanics and stuff. Uh, but they said that the the bonus here is Arcane's level design and environmental stuff, so that's cool. Um, but in terms of the new information we got, one, it won't have microtransactions. Uh, this is uh, a direct quote from Arcane. Quote, we try to be very clear that there are no microtransactions and there is no store in the game. If you find a costume in the game, then you have it. As simple as that. That's good to hear. Obviously, with these looter shooters where you pick a character... The customization is always a rampant issue in terms of microtransaction optimization, and it looks like they're not doing that, which is really dope. But they did add that there will be post-launch DLC, which they had to clarify, which, of course, I expect them to have expansions that add new levels and new storytelling and all that stuff, but good that they added that on as well. Next up, 
a PS5 version of Redfall, Redfall was in development. So Arcane director Harvey Smith told IGN France, quote, We were acquired by Microsoft and it was a change with, ca with a capital C. They came in and they said, no PS5, we're focusing on Xbox, PC, and Xbox Game Pass. Um, this is kind of something we already knew. It kind of struck headlines because I think people want to hyperbolize it, right, Donald? Like, oh, Xbox came in and said, stop what you're doing. We're taking control. We're taking the reins over. But it's like, well, they purchased this company. When you when you own a company like that, you only have enough resources to go around. So they're going to be like, okay, we're going to optimize working on the platforms we own. We didn't buy you to put games on PS5. Whereas the other projects that did release on PS5 after the acquisition were either A, way more far along, or B, in the in Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop's case, they were contractually obligated to release on those platforms exclusively. So those are the three little tidbits we got. Any of those things strike a chord with you? Um, did you have a chance to maybe read any of the impressions for Redfall? Because I know we're both curious about it. I didn't know that, yeah, there were any impressions of people that I actually had played it so yeah i'm curious to to hear more about that but as far as um the ps5 version news yeah i, I had the same reaction first of like well yeah of course um certainly I, i'm sure that the same is true of the next uh not elder scrolls maybe but shoot, uh, starfield certainly there's a ps5 version of that that was you know pretty far along that now is never going to see the light of day naturally um so like it or was... like Final Fantasy 16, Square Enix was starting off with development on all platforms. Yeah. And when they struck an exclusivity deal with PlayStation, they probably like, well, then we got to stop working on that when it happens. It's like, it's, it's the nature of things for sure. I think it like, maybe Phil or, you know, um, Satya Nadella or whatever is kind of like, oh, goodness. Wait, what? what why, why did he do this interview and say that? Because I think it's that bad look <laughs> for their uh, merger uh, approvals and stuff like that, which obviously they can say like, well, for the Activision stuff, at least for the bigger franchises, Call of Duty, like we're committing to keeping that on other platforms, but that would obviously show a precedent of like, well, you bought them and then you made it exclusive, which is what they're trying to argue they won't do for Activision yeah. stuff. So it's kind of like not a great, not the best look for that. I don't think it really ultimately matters, but. Um, I think a counter argument say we stayed true and respectful to the deals they had in place for other yeah. Bethesda titles. A good point there too. Exactly. And, and, more than anything, though, like the work they're actually doing to make those commitments and demonstrate that they're willing to keep the biggest franchises on different platforms is what I think will ultimately matter the most. But it's just kind of like a funny thing of like, yeah, they took over and then, it, you know, this is what they did. But yeah, this doesn't surprise me. Um, I did notice um, one other part um, or one other tidbit that came out about it was they're um, looking to or working on removing the always online requirement. Yeah, reversing it. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Yep. Which, um, for most people, probably 99% of people, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it wasn't necessarily that you needed to have Xbox Live Gold. It was just that you needed to be connected to the internet. So it's, um, I mean, how many people are out there that aren't at least connected, right? But That own a new next-gen console or a current-gen console, yeah. Exactly. So um, that was kind of interesting, too. I mean, I, I feel like it shows, you know, that, there maybe there is a handful more people out there that are offline that we don't that, that you and I can't think of, right? Um, but it shows that they care about all their potential players and, and that kind of thing. And wouldn't, weird decision to begin with. Uh, maybe there's good technical reasons why they wanted that, but nonetheless, I think it, that bodes well for for them. And I'm really curious to read more about uh, people's impressions, though. Like the Far Cry comparisons, really interesting to me. But as long as um, 
interesting in a, in a good way too. And if that's combined with, um, like you mentioned, the arcane level design that we know from you know Dishonored and Deathloop, then I'm as excited as I wanted to be thinking about this, um, even if it's a multiplayer game. So, yeah, I I'm kind of starting to starting to feel it. We're getting closer to April, and you know this game comes out in May. So I'm feeling I'm the hype is building. I'm kind of kind of getting into it, and even lately in general, like there's been a lot of vampire stuff in the world in fiction uh not real vampires but um i don't know i think i'm starting to get into that genre a little bit more than i ever was like just vampire stuff i don't know it's, it's kind of cool yeah it's all cyclical because for a while there it was vikings with the ragnaroks and all that stuff yep. and now yeah now we're transitioning more to a vampire specific we got blade on the horizon we got this yeah there's a lot of stuff going on probably a twilight reboot at some point i'd probably okay. put money on that um it, it, it is interesting, and the cool thing with the hands-on impressions is I guess they flew out a bunch of people, or, or people also who are local in Los Angeles, got to go play it. It was like an event for sure. um, for people. So uh, there's there's a bunch of impressions from your favorite outlets, GameSpot, Kind of Funny, Easy Allies, the whole gamut uh, got their hands-on with the game, which is really cool. And the the perspectives on it, based on like the, the, the previous experience of people with Arcane and shooters in general... And I just want Arcane to have a win because they're such talented developers, but none of their titles have ever hit, like, general audiences in a mass way, right? Deathloop was a, su- a success critically for sure. Even the, the um, man, I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, help me out. Uh, Dishonored? Their franchise. Dishonored, sorry. Dishonored was also a critical success. But none of their games have really sold extre- extremely well and haven't reached that, like, mass appeal. So I'm hoping maybe Redfall does that. At the very least, I hope it finds a position in Xbox's catalog like Sea of Thieves has, where it's just persistent. Like, it has a dedicated player base. They constantly add updates to it, uh, and it continues to exist. And hopefully, I don't think it'll go the way of Bleeding Edge, which was Ninja Theories, which we'll talk about Ninja Theory later. Their multiplayer experiment that came out and kind of didn't really capture anyone's attention. There's a a lot of dope characters in it that were fun, and I hope that maybe they return to that world in a in a different genre or maybe a single player experience um but yeah that didn't really work out so i'm hoping redfall is more sea of thieves and less bleeding edge for arcane's sake we'll see next up this is a story that broke earlier today and has me super excited i don't remember what show was on if it was with you or if it was uh, last week or if it was chris the week before do you remember talking about why there wasn't any teenage mutant ninja turtle triple a games was that me and Chris that maybe talked about that? I, I, yeah, I don't recall. It must have been Chris. Yeah, so we were talking about uh, uh, Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League. That's what it was. We were talking about Arcane, uh, uh, not Arcane, sorry, uh, Rocksteady. And when are we going to get a new Batman game? We were talking about WB in general and their licenses. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we got to a conversation of them just underutilizing their stuff. Like, where's the... Um... Man, I'm totally drawing a blink today. What's the Shadow of War system in which you hurt enemies and they come back? Nemesis. Nemesis system. How come they haven't been using that? How come they only do these smaller uh, scoped TMNT projects when there could be a really dope AAA game where you play as the Turtles and maybe you switch to the characters or what have you? Well, uh, TMNT finally might be getting the AAA treatment, and this is via Michael McWhorter over at Polygon, so I'm going to read from his story. If you want the full thing, please go over and check out his article. Link will be in the description of the YouTube video. So, 
Michael writes, A new, very different style of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is currently in development, an adaptation of The Last Ronin, the 2020 graphic novel that told a grim, futuristic story about the turtles. Are you familiar with this by any chance, Tom? I, I think I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen the cover of it. Um, it's kind of okay. like a more serious look to the turtles. So, like the comic, the last Ronin video game adaptation will be a darker, more mature take on the typically colorful Ninja Turtles, according to Doug Rosen, Senior Vice President for Games and Emerging Media at Paramount Global. What a handful. Um, and this is, so this is directly from, this isn't a rumor or a leak or anything. Uh, they are, the, uh, Paramount Global is the rights holder for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In an interview with Polygon last week, Rosen likened the upcoming third-person action role-playing game to Sony's recent God of War titles and said it will be authentic to the story of the last Ronin arc, which is set in a future where only one of the Turtles has survived. Oh. While the other TMNT games typically have you playing as all four Turtles, and sometimes their allies such as Splinter, April O'Neil, Casey Jones, etc., the last Ronin will be a primarily single-player game, uh, sorry, single-character game, though Rosen positioned that other characters could be playable in flashback sequences, similar to how the comic series played out. The primary action is said to be centered on the only surviving Turtle. So it's a single-player game where you play as the specific surviving turtle, but you might play as other characters in flashbacks is basically what that means. Interesting. So the last Ronin video game adaptation is being developed by an unnamed studio. That's the interesting part I want to talk about. And is likely a few years off from release, Rosen said. He went on to state people should expect more details on the last Ronin and much more from the TMNT uh, property in video games in the coming months and years. So it seems like they are doing the Marvel's Games thing and licensing out to developers. We got Shredder's Revenge, which is really dope, and it was a callback to the uh, 2D beat-em-up games of the arcade times. And I was wondering, when are we going to get a new AAA game? Uh, because I think TMNT is easily as... It's popular enough to warrant a budget. It just needs to be a good game. And handling the last Ronin, I think, solves two things where... You get to have a TMNT game, but you also get to appeal to a wider, broader demographic. Not that like adults wouldn't be interested in, in a high-quality Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game that's AAA, but it's much easier to get them in if you use words like God of War and it uses a, a storyline that's much darker. And uh, I, I'm excited. I don't want to go into who the last Ronin is, the last surviving turtle for spoilers in case anybody wants to hop into the comic. I have yet to hop in yet, but it's on my... like backlog of comics to read the really cool thing with this dom is that so uh the original creators of the ninja turtles they created them they did the the original cartoon from the the 80s that people loved all that stuff and then they kind of separated themselves from the property for a while this is the first thing they came together to work on after a big hiatus and apparently it delivered it has really good storytelling people who have read it say that the the story itself translates very well to the world of games in terms of the combat and the, the level design and what they can do with all of that. I'm excited because I think TMNT is underutilized in terms of creating a game where there's dope boss battles. They have so many weird mutant characters that you can utilize in fun ways. And sure, it's it's similar to, they say it's similar in structure and design to God of War in terms of it being a third-person action role-playing game but that doesn't mean that it can't be a spectacle in terms of the boss fights not to say god of war isn't but just like the from software games or other titles like that i'm super stoked um i'm curious who the unnamed studio is some right. people are like is this the project blue point has been working on oh i don't know um my hope is no not because they're not talented enough that would mean it's exclusive 
and that's the last oh, thing I want right. from this. Yeah. So I'm curious to see who's working on it. Hopefully, it's a really dope studio. Uh, I know you're not a comic guy, but you said you're familiar with this. Does this get you hyped for what this AAA game could possibly be? Yeah. Uh, I So I'm very ignorant to everything TMNT, right? Um, it just never really did it for me, especially the whole, like, yeah, pizza dude, like that. I don't know, something about it. Um, very kid, yeah, very very kid-oriented. I, I get it. Like, I get why people like it. You know, it's just, it never, it never clicked for me. So, like, I have no experience with, never watched the show, never read any comics or anything, never played any of those games, anything. So And so that was one where, like, Shredder's Revenge came out, and everyone's, like, just fawning over it. And I'm like, really? It's kind of like, it looks like an old arcade game, but I guess that's the shit. So, um, but yeah, the way you described the storyline of this, that particular comic, um, that sounds cool. Um, that sounds really sick. And then combine that with, oh, it's a, you know, a, a bigger AAA scope action RPG. I'm like, hmm, this is a, I think you're right. I think this would be an entry point for, into the franchise for a lot of people that at least, uh, had, you know, as broadly hasn't been marketed as such, right? Maybe there's other, like the comic itself, like I think I've seen the cover, but I didn't know anything about it, what it, what was going on or anything. But obviously once we get something big in the game space, that's going to get my attention and, and a lot of others too, I think. So yeah, it'd be, the, the studio is a really interesting one because you're right. I didn't think about it being, um, you know, an Xbox or, or Sony studio, or even maybe it's a Nintendo studio. I guess that wouldn't be the... That would be a no way. Nintendo <laughs> is not budgeting a last run in a video game. No shot. That would be uh, probably the crazy. Like no one's bingo card has that. Um, but I mean, it feels like most likely. Like well, a couple of years ago, I might have said it's most likely a third party um, publisher. Um, but with the way we've had licensed games be exclusives in the past couple of years, and they'd be good. Yeah, I could see one of Sony's studios or Xbox's studios um, doing this, which would be cool too. Um, just because, just because, like, they those two publishers do such good work. Like, like if as if any of the Sony studios picked us up, like, I would feel confident in it. Nearly any of them, and almost the same kind of deal for Xbox too. Um, but yeah, this uh, this is interesting, and I I look forward to hearing more about this. Well, the, the thing for me is I'm a lapsed TMNT fan, so I'm a little bit older than you, and I grew up in, like, TMNT was, like, the shit, right? It was, like, Power Rangers and TMNT were, like, the things. And I lean more TMNT than Power Rangers. I'm kind of lapsed in that I haven't kept up with them. I haven't watched any of the... Uh, there's been so many animated series, some of them way more highly regarded than others. I avoided the Michael Bay movies at all costs because those things... I could see from a mile away those things were stinkers. The thing I will say is, have you had a chance to check out the new trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem? No. So the cool thing with this is this is being made by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, right? The dream team that's done Invincible and a bunch of other dope stuff. They're like some of the best people to be working on nerd projects. It's very much inspired by Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in terms of its animation style. Okay. So that alone should get you interested. Yep. It looks super yeah. dope. All four turtles are actually voice acted by teens, which I think is really cool. You'd, uh, you'd assume that a, a product called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would have teens in the lead roles, but oftentimes it's 18 to 19-year-old men that they have in the roles, which kind of takes away from it. And um, their personalities shine through, because that's one thing you'll learn with TMNT, is that each character has their very much their own personality. Leonardo, who wears the blue uh, mask, Dom, he's the leader, right? 
So he kind of is in charge of all of them. He's known for having his two katanas, okay? Raphael is like the mean one. He has the two side, the little short daggers, right? He's like the mean asshole kind of. Uh, Michelangelo is the party dude. That's the orange one. That's he has who... the two like yep. sticks, kendo sticks. And the purple one, he has the bow staff. That's Donatello. It's a smart dude. He does the gadgets and stuff. That's always been my favorite. I always tend to lean towards the, the smart characters. The cool thing with this comic, like I said, I haven't read it, but I know enough about it. The surviving turtle, and this is why it would lend itself to a video game, Dom. The surviving turtle uses all four of their weapons, like in honor oh, of them. Oh, interesting. That, you're right. That would make for a good game mechanic because, yeah, then you switch weapons naturally. That makes sense. And you can upgrade whatever weapon you feel is dope. They lend to different combat styles. Super cool. Um, and I wonder if they'll take, uh, like I said, I haven't read the comic, but I wonder if they'll take an approach where the surviving turtle has inner dialogue with his fallen brothers, right? And mm-hmm. he hears advice from them or guidance, uh, which is really cool. I'm very excited about this. It makes me, I actually might end up moving the last Ronin up my backlog to read it because it is one of those things where do I not read it until the game comes out? Who knows when the game's coming out? And I don't want it to be spoiled for me between then and because the moment we see the first trailer, we might get shown what the, who the surviving turtle is. So I'm very excited to hop into that. And yeah, I, Tim and T deserves a triple A gaming treatment and I'm excited to see who this studio is. And I guess we should do like a like a bet, Dom. Uh, here's what we'll do. And you get to choose the, what side of the bet you want because I'm going to make the terms for the bet, okay? Will we, the question is, will we see this game revealed by the end of the year? Okay. December 31st, okay? You get to choose what side you want. I'm going to come up with what if I win. If I win, we have to read the last Ronin Ooh. sometime next year plan and read it together i mean like maybe, i kind of want to like do that anyway but any okay let's think fun. of a different thing then <laughs> let's see I, like throughout I'm this conversation what stakes... i feel like i've been convincing myself that that might be a fun comic to to get into if it's like i like when i, don't, I find comics really difficult to get into but if this is like a contained story where like it, it's obviously it sounds cool the story sounds good and that kind of thing but it's also like it's completed um, it can be bought all together, you know, then I'm more uh, interested. So I kind of think maybe we should do that anyway. Okay, we'll, we'll do that regardless. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got the bet. My side of the bet, and you can come up with yours or we can filter however. If you're, if I'm right and you're wrong, by the end of the year, sometime next year on a podcast, whoever, you're the loser, she'll have to do this. You'll have to research the four turtles and you're, you'll have to tell me which one is your favorite and which one personality-wise is most like you? So there might be two different answers. Okay. I like that. So you'll, you'll have to come to the podcast and be like, I looked into it. It seems like I'm most like Michelangelo or Raphael or whatever, and then explain why. Yeah. That's so it's fun. not a whole lot of effort, but it's enough effort, and it gets you more involved in the franchise yeah. and knowing a little bit more. Yeah. I like that. So what's your what's your answer, and do you have stakes for yourself? or you just We'll just do whoever's wrong has to present that. All right, that, yeah. That good? That's easier. Yeah. Um, so by the end of the year, will we see this game? Uh, no. Okay, I, I'll I'll actually rephrase that in an official capacity because I don't want you to get dinged if it's like leaked sure. or something. Yeah. In an official capacity, your your answer is no. I'll say yes, obviously, and yeah, loser will have to present. Luckily, since I've been a fan for a while, I kind of already know which one I'm like. Uh, but maybe that's changed over time, and we'll see. But I, I'm very excited for this, and yeah, we need to make a, a time to read it together. That'd be that'd be 
fun to talk about that we kind of I don't even know how many issues it is. I'll have to look into that. It's already finished, which is good. Um so I'm imagining it's maybe like a twelve issue run or something, but I am about if you want to look into to that one get into the next thing. Oh, I've definitely seen this cover. Yeah, it's exactly what I thought. It's like black and white light, like like a noir cover it, kind of. It looks like a Batman movie cover, honestly. <laughs> but Ooh, uh, okay. But kind of with the samurai stuff obviously but like the the color palette and the i don't know just the way it looks oh okay yeah it's like it's like splashes of red right i see it okay uh let's see oh i'm on a product listing it might take me a while to figure out like how many how many issues and that kind of thing but yo yeah it's there's a hardcover collection oh it's only 21 bucks for the hardcover that's pretty cool that might be the way to do this anyway we can move on from that uh or from at least from yeah, figuring out more about this specific. Oh, comic. it's only five issues. Oh, okay. That would explain why it's only twenty bucks yeah. then. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. The creators, by the way, I didn't mention them earlier. Are Kevin Eastman and uh, Peter Laird, who are like the people who made TMNT. So I want to give them a shout out. Imagine that, like, creating one of the most popular properties in all of like entertainment. That's crazy, right? Yeah. That I always was... think <laughs> about that. Of like, you create something, and it's one thing to be like successful. Like I mentioned earlier, Twilight and Shadow's successful with movies and stuff. But, like, something like TMNT or Pokemon, it persists, like, time and space. Like, mm-hmm. it's just pervasive in, in, in the minds of cult, pop culture and stuff. It's wild. Um, oh, I wanted to mention this real quick. Required reading for this week. Um, Nathan Grayson over at the Washington Post did a story called How Twitch Lost Its Way. Uh, and it's basically how Twitch's recent moves have confused and upset creators, fans, and staff alike. There was a recent layoff of, I think, 400 Twitch employees as well. Um, creators have argued that, like, the top 1% of Twitch is getting a way better cut in terms of ad revenue than literally everyone else. We've seen creators leave Twitch for YouTube gaming, streaming. And I haven't read the story yet, but I, I saw the headline and I, I read the first couple of paragraphs. And it's really interesting. And I think Nathan Grayson wrote up something that's definitely worth checking out. And I'm going to be checking out as soon as we finish the podcast. Link will be in the description of the YouTube videos always. Uh, otherwise, go to Washington Post and search Nathan Grayson as the author, and you'll you'll find the story. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Twitch is the biggest streaming platform, but that doesn't always mean things are going perfect. And I do think they're well beyond time for criticism uh, in terms of providing um, more structure for creators and their employees as well. So definitely give that a check. Next up, the topic of the show. That's 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 yeah, that's the future of. Unreal Engine 5. This is from Epic. So during the state of Unreal presentation that happened at GDC 2023, by the way, that's been going on the week we're recording this, the Game Developer Conference in San Francisco. Shout out to Elden Ring for winning the Game of the Year uh, amongst its uh, other developers, which is always super dope. Like, I think, you know, I'd assume that people in the gaming industry kind of hold that one a little bit higher in terms of its prestige because it's being voted on by other game developers, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so this uh, GDC presentation showcased the capabilities of Unreal Engine 5. An audience were presented with several displays of exceptional visual fidelity, performance, and complexity. Those are my words. To say the least. it's really... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I want to talk about two things specifically. So first is the Ninja Theory Hellblade 2 tease. So alongside the presentation, Ninja Theory tweeted the following message. Quote, We're pushing the boundaries of real-time facial animation and sending you a saga Hellblade 2 as showcased at GDC 2023 with Unreal Engine, end quote. And they posted the video itself, a breakout of the presentation. And the one-minute-long take showcased senior actress Melina Jurgens 
acting out a monologue in engine in real time with facial animation. Despite being a short teaser, it took the internet by storm with Ninja Theory's tweets seeing over two and a half million impressions in less than a day. The crazy thing of this video is if you're just watching it at first glance, it's hard to see when the game engine starts and the real-time facial animation happens, but thankfully Ninja Theory did a really good edit where the moment it turns from the brighter light to the darker light is when it transitions from real-time footage to in-engine footage. And boy, howdy, is is it incredible, the level of detail. Not only so, not only if this was like pre-rendered, Dom, when we were watching, it would be immaculate, the level of detail you see in her face and the animations of her, the, the movement of her mouth and everything. The fact that this is happening in real-time and being captured in real-time, wild right you ch you checked it out right before the show began what are your thoughts on it because i was like oh my god it's like one of those times where it, it seems like in recent years technology moves fast but um we see the progress so frequently and so each little step of progress like it doesn't seem as significant but it's like when it happens every week if you were to see the progress over a year or several years then it would it's kind of like i don't know gaining or losing weight or something like when you see it all at once it looks like more but this feels like one of those moments of like a huge step in progress where it's like oh shit like that's incredible like that is just like like technically insane how how good this looks and how cool it is um and then yeah like you said in real time like it just feels like one of those moments of like wow okay this is what we're doing like this is how far we've come and you can really tell um, so yeah, it, it's incredible. Yeah. So I saw that first and I was like, this is crazy. And then I saw a tweet from Jeff Keighley talking about the unreal editor for Fortnite. Yeah. And once again, I was blown away. So technology, this is the, the unreal editor for Fortnite is a technology that allows creators to craft their gameplay experiences inside of Fortnite. The game awards, Jeff Keighley shared a tweet with four screenshots of things made inside of UEFN, which is the abbreviation for the technology. So this is what I wrote down. So the first one, we see a samurai facing off with a giant mythical dragon. And uh, it's very similar to like Neo, mm -hmm. uh, right, is what you said before we started. The dragon is beautiful. Uh, it just, the lighting, everything, it's yeah. a very, it very much feels like a moment. Like the, the, the environment itself, it's very like smoky. It's really cool. The it's, second one. It's like really uh, the perfect demonstration of... Uh, where like the the whole foreground is is dark in the shadow, but then where the dragon's coming from, you get the light shining through. So you can kind of see the contrast of like how it looks, the darker parts versus how the good the lighting looks through. And then the dragon itself is what's lit up, and it looks sick. And and then yeah, you got kind of got that like um, Japanese uh, styling to the dragon, and then and the armor on the character. I think this one looks. This is probably my favorite one. So that's why I'm just going off on it right now. It looks so cool. Well, even like the god rays coming through, yeah. and, like the bird flying behind the dragon, it just so good. Uh, next up, the second one uh, shows a female soldier standing in front of a giant mech situated in a factory of some sort. Um, the one with this one, I think that I think outside of the character, because it's very much a Fortnite character that you see, the girl is very yeah, much a Fortnite the, character. The proportions that uh, she is made with, I guess I'd say. I don't know if that's what you exactly, call it. Even like the coloring of her outfit and everything kind of yeah. stands out against the environment. But even taking that into account, the lighting on her, the visual fidelity is crazy. The, the environment itself of the factory looks really good. Mm -hmm. um, the mech itself looks dope. I just realized there's a little Banana Man from Fortnite on the bottom right. Yeah, there is. You're right. Yeah, I didn't even see that. 
this is really cool. And I, I think the whole point of this presentation was to showcase the variety of, of environments and games you can make from this. So that's really dope. Um, the next one is shockingly, this is what I said, shockingly reminiscent of classic Call of Duty maps, yeah. including the lighting and coloring of the entire scene. Um, if you took away the characters out of this, I would think this was a Call of Duty map, mm -hmm. 100%. Uh, yeah, even if you take out... Too. Exactly. If you take out the two back Fortnite characters, the first one, you could even argue to me that this is a new Metal Gear game or something. Like, it totally does not look like the environment itself does not look like um, Fortnite. It looks very much like a Call of Duty map going the bricks, like the bricks that are there. It's totally Call of Duty assets, yeah, essentially. Um, and it's cool because I think not only are we going to see new like, standalone game experiences from that, hopefully we get more specific gameplay modes for Fortnite because what we're seeing with the editors is like sure they can try to maneuver it in a way that makes the gameplay mode itself in Fortnite something different but it still feels and plays like Fortnite where I'm hoping with this stuff no this will be like specifically only first person shooting the guns may handle differently and this is more of like a Call of Duty adjacent experience inside of Fortnite uh, as opposed to the current creator that they have. And the last one, uh, we see, an, I wrote it as a noir-era detective racing down a sci-fi corridor reminiscent of Star Wars. Yeah. That's the best way I could describe it. Got the trench this coat. This one, in terms yeah. in terms of the, uh, the reflections on the actual corridor, this one looks wild to me. It very much feels sci-fi, which I appreciate. The juxtaposition of, like, the noir detective in this environment is also super cool. I always love when you see like a grizzled, you know, detective or or, or uh, agent of some sort in a world where it feels like the it feels like the world has moved past him in a way. I think this looks dope. It, it feels like a like an espionage sort of game. Um, where it had me going this one is that, um, Nick Valentine from Fallout Four, who's kind of that that noir detective, but he's you know he's a, he's a robot, but he's got that trench coat. And he's it's just kind of like this old school detective style guy but in this weird world where he doesn't fit kind of like you're saying that's what i thought of when i saw this yeah um i immediately thought of uh spider-man noir from into the spider-verse in terms of the look of the actual oh, character because yeah. he's very like long too yeah like his proportions cage. are very long and it could just be the perspective of the camera i know you love the dragon one the most this is my favorite one um despite it only taking place in a, a specific corridor I just love the, like I said, the reflections on the ground. Like I love the juxtaposition. Of, sure. Yeah, it, it looks incredible. And it gets me excited for what could possibly come from this because I love a good sci-fi experience. And if you're going to make, if this is like a stealth game where you play as a noir detective in a space station, dude, I'm downloading that immediately. Um, plenty of other uh, uses of the Unreal Engine 5 were showcased during the official presentation. And this is my words. It feels like the true transition into next generation of gaming players have been yearning for since the release of the PS5 and Xbox Series consoles. Now that we haven't gotten yeah. pretty games, God of War Ragnarok's pretty. It looks like Spider-Man 2 is going to be pretty, Starfield. But the stuff they showed in this, Dom, is like, oh, this is this is pod racing. This is next gen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I'm super excited. Anytime we get demos like this, uh, you know, typically in terms of Xbox, it's usually... Uh, Gears of War, which is a showpiece for new Unreal technology. Okay. But the fact that it's a ninja theory here is really dope. Um, it worries me a little bit of like how far does that mean Hellblade 2's off? I still have hope that it could possibly come out this year 
and maybe this is just a snippet of previous work they've done with Unreal Engine 5, but I, I'm so excited because these are only a few examples of the numerous games and teams that are transitioning over to the new engine, and God, is it gorgeous, Tom. I'm ready for the Unreal next-gen. I'm ready for the Unreal tournament of game releases. Uh, Shout-out to Unreal tournament. I wonder if that'll ever come back. That's it for the news this week. There was some other stuff we could have talked about, but we'll we'll get to it probably next week or, or later episode. There was some stats that came out about Elden Ring, uh, some more news about the Microsoft uh, acquisition, which we kind of talked about earlier, but that's that. In terms of what we've been playing, I've done a 180 on uh, Wolong, Fallen Dynasty. We actually talked about this in our Discord, and you know we had that discussion last week. I'm like, I'm not really fan of the parrying system. I don't know if it's a game for me. You're like, yo, dude, if I'm going to be honest with you, if you're not feeling the parrying, just ditch the game because that's what the game is. And I hopped in. I don't know if it was like a day or two later, Dom. I can't remember what day it was. Uh, maybe it was the day after. And I messaged you. I was like, I'm, I'm what, three three bosses in. I beat the first boss on the first try, and it clicked with me. And what I found was I was, I was being aggressive with the parry, so I was playing it as if I normally play, but trying to implement the parry to my playstyle instead of calming down, understanding that this game plays a little bit slower and a little bit more calculated. So once I got that under my belt, I realized that like, oh, this is more of like a give and take game. Uh, and you you have to be way more patient too, I think. And because of that, I learned the parry more, which in turn in a weird way, let me be more aggressive the way I was originally playing because I got so used to the parry. What I will say is I think it's very obvious this game was developed with the whole team playing Sekiro. <laughs> yeah. Because you fight the first boss in a, in a meadow, Sekiro. Two of the first bosses you fight are a bull in a small arena like Sekiro and an ape. Mm-hmm. It's very weird in that way that it's an ape and a bull and a dude in a meadow. Like, so specifically, those three bosses, I'm like, yeah, this is Sekiro. And I'm not trying to say, like, they, you know, they, they plagiarized, like, they just copied the homework and changed the name. But it's very obvi- obvious where their inspiration for this game came from. And it that's clear because it's a game based on pairing, where Sekiro, out of all the From games, is the one more most focused on pairing and one on one combat. So that's very evident. Um, I'm currently in like a, a meadow area where you get the companion that's like a, a heavier set guy. Uh, he's like Guan Yu's brother, I believe. I, I know Guan Yu because he's like a Chinese mythological character that's in Smite and a bunch oh. of other games. But Did I think it's that? his brothers that are also in mythology that I'm uh, not familiar with. And it, it's his bigger like stout brother you get as your companion. I'm in that section where it's like a lot of uh, like tall bamboo shoots and stuff is the, the environment design. Okay. Yeah, um, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, some of the systems, I'm not going to go too much longer because we covered this last week. Still, some of the systems are too obtuse, too many mm-hmm. menus. Mm-hmm. It It's like overly complicated for no reason. Yes. Like if it just explained two things in simpler terms, uh, like the whole point of like activating the purple flag things to fight bosses that are outside of your level. Uh, like a lot of that stuff like is very confusing for no reason whatsoever. Wait, like oftentimes you, I have to double take and do you figure that out? Cause I just have been ignoring those. You can like sacrifice one of your heels at one of those purple things, but what does it do again? I, I, I've never gotten. 
so the way it works from my understanding, which take that with a grain of salt, is you know how you build up like your level based on the enemies you kill, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, from my understanding, is that you sacrifice a heal to fight an enemy that killed someone else in their game for the bonus of obtaining a larger amount of the level up stuff. Oh, okay. Interesting. If that makes sense. Obviously, I'm not super familiar with the terms. Like I said, it's overcomplicated for no reason. But that's my understanding is that you activate the purple flag to fight a boss that killed another real player, and it basically gives you a, a bonus. And my assumption is how you can fight the higher level enemies that naturally spawn that you don't have to activate that are usually like standing in front of treasure or whatever. Um, yeah, it doesn't really explain like upgrading. The the four paths of upgrading are like simple, but also kind of hard to understand. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this game that fights against you wanting to enjoy, but thankfully once the gameplay clicks, it's dope. I'm curious to hear how far you've gotten. So would you count the ape as a boss or like a mini boss? Because that was kind of weird. It was like mid-stage. I felt like a boss fight, but I could see why it might be considered a mini boss. Yeah, I, I still consider those those the boss those as bosses. They do that um, on several of the stages. Um, I'm probably I got I, I don't even know. I've pushed through a bunch of bosses since last week, so I I feel like I must be at at least a third, maybe close to halfway done with the game. Um. And and yeah, I mean nothing's really changed with my thoughts about it. It's um, the combat just feels really good when when you get it. It's moments of frustration, obviously, but yeah, overall, it's the other thing. It, I've not had like the difficult or the weird difficulty pacing. It's just been generally easy, easier than Neo at least. It's still definitely a challenging game, but it's it feels easier than um, a lot of. From software games and 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 Neo, like I mentioned, so and I kind of am. I'm I like that right now. I'm it's the it's enough challenges. I feel like pushing myself to complete it. You know, at the current moment, but yeah, I'm still really enjoying it. It's it's a fun time, really. I'm I'm ignoring like because the other thing I don't like is not only is the story hard to follow, but the way it's told, I just don't like. It's basically. You complete a stage and then you get like five minutes of cutscene, and 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 then down the line. And each each stage, you tend to get a new companion or meet someone new, and everyone's trying to get chi and and the elixir. And that's to me, that's all it really needs to be. Is you know, there's there's monsters and there's people trying to get this elixir stuff to like that are greedy and trying to use the, the monsters and the resource. I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. They get corrupt. All sorts of goofy shit goes on. I skip all those cutscenes because they're so long and it's like, it. I, I prefer something more where the story is told in an integrated way with the gameplay. You know, this feels very old school. Of a, and, and you know you're going to get it. You're like, oh, can't wait to beat this boss to find out the next story beat. It's kind of like... All right, compared to... Except you're not... You can't... It's not that you can't wait. You're like, okay, now i got to mash A a bunch of times. Exactly. Compared to something... I can't think of the, of a specific example, but in, like, The Last of Us Part Two, like, there's... Or, the, or God of War, there's moments where, like, you are you get a big story beat, but it came out of something that seemed innocuous, and you were just, like, stepping through a door or something, and all of a sudden, you thought you were, you know, just starting a level, but you all of a sudden, crazy things are happening. Um, it's much uh, 
uneven pacing. More natural. Yeah, it's not like like le- video game levels. It's just uh, I don't know. It feels more natural. Exactly. So that this game is not great at that. Plus, like I'm just I'm really starting to get worn down on on the the loot and the gear. You get so much stuff, and yeah, Oof. it's so much junk. Because like, and and I hate too because you can you get so much loot, but then you can also upgrade a lot, and upgrading seems to make a big difference. But I you know I grabbed one katana and upgraded it a couple times, and you know, four stages later, I'm still not finding anything as good as that katana, and it's because I've upgraded it. So I have to, like, try and to... And everything else is incremental that you're finding. It's like, yeah. this is slightly better, maybe, so upgrading is way quicker. But I have to use the resources to upgrade the new stuff to see if it's going to come out net better <laughs> yeah. than what I upgraded from what I got three levels ago, and it's so hard to tell. And then, of course, the loot has uh, rarity levels, but, like, sometimes that stuff doesn't matter because it's not applicable to your build, so even if it's super rare, you don't care. And stuff like that. I don't know. It's just it's not in a fun way. Um, there, there are, I, I, and I'm so and I'm biased because I'm so used to the way From Software does their, their stats with their gear. So we both are. Yeah. We're, we're uh, spoiled in that way. <laughs> yeah. It, I, and it, so it might be a thing of like if if you were to really get into this style um, and the way they do it, you could end up feeling the inverse of what I'm saying is I prefer FromSoft's way of doing things, but. It's just different, and I'm not. I'm getting worn down on on that aspect of it. But it, the game is easy enough too, where like I don't feel like I need to like worry too much about the gear. So that's making yeah. it all right for me at the end of the day. Um, most bosses I get to, it's like just a couple tries, and then I feel good about it, and they can beat them. So I don't know. I think it's got a good balance of difficulty, at least. Maybe I just have yet to hit one of those spikes that um, some people, some other people have complained about. It's just looming around the corner. Yeah. Uh, the thing I will say is my hope is that this is more of a proof of concept for Team Ninja, and maybe they learn from a lot of this and make the sequel, uh, you know, better in those ways. And I maybe. hope this game is sold enough for them to do something else because I want to play more Team Ninja games on my Xbox. I don't want them to only be stuck doing Neo-exclusive titles for PlayStation. I think the more people get to play team ninja games the better and it is a bit of a bummer that the one that went multi-platform may not be as good all around as a neo or a neo 2 but in the same way i think it's a good game i don't think it's a bad game it just there's some some design choices they can alter and tweak and yeah the the story gameplay thing is like i think they expect it to be oh you fight through all of the gameplay and you're rewarded with cutscenes but most people i think are like I have to trudge through all these cutscenes, and I'm rewarded with more gameplay. You know what I mean? It's kind of opposite in that way. Um, I have nothing else to talk about. Uh, next week, I'll be covering... Uh, we got a code for LEGO Brick Tales, which I was excited to check out. Oh, cool. Um, so I'll be I'll be talking about that next week. It's So it's a level-based LEGO game where you're there's a grand goal of helping your grandpa open up his theme park, but you're going to these individual levels, and the puzzles of the game are like there's a bridge that broke down so you have to build a new bridge so it gives you all of the parts but you have to design it yourself but not any design is going to work because it needs to be structurally sound you have to test it and a robot will go across it to see if it falls apart so like it's a beautiful balance of knowing that there's a specific thing you have to build but there's enough openness to where you can be creative in how you do it and boy the solutions that come up with some of this stuff is wild but i'm having a blast with it it's fun um, it's the structure I need in a Lego game. I, I like the like the 
the Star Wars and those. I'm talking about Lego Worlds, for instance, is a game I loved, but it's so open and there's not really a main goal in mind and you're just like running around finding different types of bricks that you kind of just get lost in the minutia of it all. This has more of that structure where it's not as big as those licensed Star Wars games or other properties, uh, but it's not as open as as that. I also want to get to Lego City Undercover. People love that game so yeah. much. I knew it was recently yeah. like remade on last gen. Uh, it's currently on sale, I think, for four bucks. I picked it up. I don't know if I'm going to play it anytime soon, but I've heard so much good about that game that I eventually want to get to it. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to mention. Uh, we'll t- like I said, we'll talk about Lego Brick Tales next week. Do you have anything else outside of Wolong? Uh, no, I talked a lot about that. Um, I did finally start playing uh, Metroid Prime Remastered because that uh, shipped, <laughs> like, took Amazon a little while. Like, it seems like every store is kind of uh, was running low on the physical copies of that game for some reason. But um, only a, a few hours in, and it's pretty cool. It's a remarkably, like, well-crafted first-person shooter, even as old as it, as it is. And I understand that they added a, the modern control scheme that I'm using now, so I never played, like, with the original kind of where you have to stop and shoot, as I understand it. Kind of control is more tanky. Um but anyway, this scheme that it works now, it's like feels it feels good. Like it feels like a really tight, um, responsive uh, first-person shooter. And that's and I'm talking about like playing handheld on the Switch. It feels really cool. Um, I've only again I'm early on, so I haven't like really gotten into what I know is coming of like that feeling of satisfaction of getting a new uh, piece of equipment or ability and then unlocking a new area that you couldn't get to before. The whole Metroidvania of it all. So I look forward the to exploration that. Exploration aspects and all that stuff, yeah. Exactly. Um, the music is really cool. It's like, I, I, a lot of people have said that. I didn't really um, uh, think about it too much, but like once you get in there on this planet, it's like, it's really dope. Um, somehow, like, I remember really liking the music in Metroid Dread, well, um, the first, which was the first Metroid game I've ever played, and now Prime being the second. But yeah, the music in this one is just like, top tier just absolute like sci-fi spooky kind of adventurous i don't even know how to explain it it's just really cool uh the vibes are immaculate (laughs) exactly and it's like it's one of those things like that just the vibes and the circumstances in which you kind of end up or you know that that set up the whole game are uh sort of desperate you're on your own you're it's lonely and you got to figure shit out you don't you just lost all your gear which apparently i'm noticing is a thing in every metroid game you start out the first half hour with like everything you're gonna get and then you lose it all and that's how the game starts it's like a really uh not clever way maybe it was clever at one point but to solve that problem i think metroid is a series that like implemented that in a real way and everyone kind of copied that formula yeah like we're gonna make you super powered and then you're gonna lose everything it's that classic thing like when you have a sequel of a game where you were leveling up like how do you set the player back to level zero right yeah but the character wouldn't be so i it's good it works well enough i think um for what they're trying to do but same thing with with dread I didn't really get into the story all that much. It's kind of just there's bad stuff going on and there's these Metroids that are bad for the world and they're parasitic and we're trying to keep shit cool. Um, so it's same thing so far here. The story isn't um, that exciting, but maybe it'll get cooler if I pay closer attention. But yeah, really liking that so far too. So Metroid Prime, y'all. 
Uh, yeah, so next week, look for our comprehensive impressions of, I'll, I'll be talking about Lego Brick Tales, and I'm excited to hear more about uh, Metroid Prime and how, how you're liking it, because I eventually want to get to it, but, you know, so many games to play, so little time. Uh, that's been it for this week's show. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please head on over to Twitter. Collectively, you can find us at CTRLINT. It's controlled, interest abbreviated. Individually, I'm at Jared Weich, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. Dom is at OB Dom Kenobi, but the O and OB is the number zero, not the letter O. Uh, YouTube, search controlled interest will pop it up. Subscribe so you never miss a podcast. Like the video so you help us with the algorithm. And hit the bell notification so you're notified when a new podcast goes live because you never trust YouTube's subscription box. And lastly, we're on all the podcast services, Spotify. I think I'm going to put us on the Amazon one too because I got an email about that. So I think they have a podcast service. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. Other than that, we will catch you guys next week, like I said, with our comprehensive impressions of Lego Brick Tales and Metroid Prime. And prize some other news hey maybe that we get a trailer for the last run in video game dom and you'll lose the bet in less than a week's time um other than that we will catch you guys next week bye